Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. I am Dr. Marianne Trent and I am a qualified clinical psychologist. So if you are downloading this fairly recently to when it was released, which is in March 2023, it probably hasn't escaped your knowledge that it is application notification season. Um, So I am well aware that um, educational psychology interviews are already in full swing. So if you are waiting to hear back on the outcome of one of those, or if you are awaiting, attending one of those yourself, then wishing you all the very best of luck. And there might well be useful information in here for you as well. Um, but of course, it is declin um notification season currently. We are on the verge of interview season. So um, just to recap some of those important dates, we know that by the 17th of March, Clearinghouse and the associated courses must have let applicants know whether or not they will be invited to an interview for this year or whether they've been placed on a reserve list for an interview this year. It's always worth bearing in mind that if you are on the reserve list for an interview, you could be called even as soon as like that morning of the interview. So so when it's interview week, make sure your outfit is clean, what you want to wear. Um, make sure that you know you've perhaps let people know in your diary that you might already have booked in for meetings, supervision, appointments, that you're hoping there may be a chance you're called to interview. Um, because I really do believe in putting stuff out there in the universe. If you're if you're kind of paving the way for potentially having an interview during a set week, then tell the universe that that is what you'd welcome. Don't be looking at your diary going, oh, God, which day should it be? Which day would I have to cancel? You know, make sure that the people in each of your days know that, you know, you may have to cancel at short notice. If you're already working for the NHS, it's also worth bearing in mind that in theory, you don't need to take a day's annual leave to be able to attend an NHS interview. Because in essence, this is an NHS interview, 
you might then be able to keep your leave for something that feels a bit more restful. <laughs> um, because, you know, I was going to say you keep your leave something a bit more exciting. But actually, I was really excited about both of the interview days that I had. Um, you should be feeling, you know, a little bit you're like, oh, this is a big deal. But also excited that you get to showcase, you get to show why you're so ready for this opportunity. And that's regardless of what you're going for an interview for, of course, you know, um, whatever job you're going for, it ought to feel exciting. You know, you ought to feel like you've got a reasonable chance um, and that it's something that you would want, you know, so make sure that's the case. So try and make sure that you do at least feel some excitement. It's not just abject horror. So you may well be listening to this aware that perhaps your first or maybe even your first couple of courses that you've applied to have notified you that it is a no first. It's really hard and I'm really sorry. I'm absolutely gutted for you. I also recall that the year that I was successful in getting on to training, I was actually told no first by the one course who weren't going to be offering me an interview. So for those of you who don't know my story, I was offered interviews at three other courses, but one of the courses cancelled the entire course <laughs> just before I was due to attend my interview. Um, so yeah, if you go back into the annals of history, you'll see that the 2008 intake for the Bristol course um, didn't go ahead at all. Um, and then I think it actually moved to Plymouth ultimately. But um, yes, I was potentially part of that cohort if I'd been interviewed because I do wonder, I did really like Bristol. I was telling one of my friends who lives in Bristol recently, I really like Bristol. I may have picked I may have picked Bristol had they offered me a place, had that gone ahead. But um, I'm very, very pleased with where I did end up. And you know, when you're in a position where you do have multiple interviews at different courses, we have this sort of butterfly effect, you know, that it's quite a big decision which course you'll be at because it could potentially lead to what future job you'll be in, who you're, it will definitely lead to who your future supervisors will be, who your future cohort will be. In my case, it led to the creation of two wonderful little boys um, and a marriage, you know, and friendship groups and in-laws and all of that jazz. So it, it is really can be a life-changing decision, especially if you're doing that at an age point where you do have more choices, you know, where you could end up going to Scotland, you could end up going to Wales, you could end up going, you know, to the south of England or to middle England, you know. Um, if you are more footloose and fancy free, then these decisions, the ones you say yes to, um, or the ones who say yes to you, can be life-changing. And that can be exciting, but can also be a little bit terrifying too. So anyway, we're wandering off track, but I want to empathise with anybody who has so far received no, or not yet as we think about them. Um, think about it as not yet um, or not right now. Um, and if you've applied to more than one course, then you might well get um, reserve list places for other interviews or you might well get outright interview offers as well for other courses. So I am sending you so much hope, so much, so many crossed fingers um, that that happens for you. Um, but yeah, if it helps, 
my first envelope that I opened, because in those days they were envelopes, my first envelope that I opened in 2008, which was the year that I was successful, was a no. So please hold on to that if that feels useful. And you might be in the position that you are told, no, 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 if you've applied to four places. And that doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It means that you're lovely. It means that you're wonderful. It just means not yet. It just means, you know, this is a fiercely competitive field. And we want to make sure that you are ready, that you're not going to feel wildly out of your depth when you're in your new cohort, when you're doing this role, when you are wearing that name badge that says trainee clinical psychologist or trainee educational psychologist or, you know, trainee forensic psychologist, whatever element you want to do, we want you to feel ready and to be able to do this job well um, with all of the necessary skills that you need to have. Um, on board and online to help you to fly and help your clients to really soar too. So I'm going to cover some interview stuff that might be useful to consider in this episode, but I'm not going to be repeating the stuff from podcast episode 10, which was released on Valentine's Day last year. So 14th of February 2022. And that episode is called How to Optimally Prepare for an Interview as an Aspiring Psychologist. So if you go to the show um, on either Apple Podcast or Spotify or even YouTube for that matter um, and search for episode 10 or ep10, it will be on YouTube, um, Aspiring Psychologist Podcast or type in how to optimally prepare. Um, you should find it. There is a link in the show notes um, and this is going to be additional stuff. But since we launched that episode, of course, on the 28th of February last year, we launched the Aspiring Psychologist membership too. And that's a really useful way of covering lots of forward slash most of all of the areas that I'm going to be outlining in this episode. So if you feel like it's your time and you're ready for a little bit of coaching, a little bit of helping you feel more confident in your abilities, helping you practice some of these key skills and experiences, then do please come on board um, to the Aspiring Psychologist membership. It's £30 a month and you can leave anytime you like. There's no minimum requirement to stay. So, so do come on board and let us help you to reach your goals. But we also, of course, have free content. So we do have the free compassionate Q&A. So let me just um, talk you through the dates that we've got coming up for those. Okay, so if you're watching on YouTube, or even if you're not, um, please do um, take a note of these dates for your diary for the free Q&A sessions, compassionate Q&A sessions, which will be running across all of my socials. A really great place to catch that is in the free Facebook group, which is the Aspiring Psychologist Community with Dr. Marianne Trent Brackett's free group. So make sure you've requested access to that in good time. But it will also be running on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube and uh, Facebook page as well. Um, 
if I have the battery power and Instagram is behaving, it will also be running on Instagram Live as well. Um, but I won't be able to access the comments on Instagram Live. And also, it's worth bearing in mind, you can't usually access the Twitter comments either, just because of a random quirk in Twitter that when I'm streaming via StreamYard, it doesn't access the comments. So you can join me on Monday, the 13th of March, 2023 at 7.30 p.m. That's number one. Monday, the 17th of April, 2023 at 7.30 p.m. And then just as a little bit of a change because of a bank holiday, we've got Tuesday, the 2nd of May, 2023, 7.30 p.m. And in the past, they've been really intimate, really nice sessions where you're able to bring any of your or any of your more focused questions and we can help think about what might be really useful what might help you look after yourself right now what might what might help you bring your best to your what might help you bring your a game so that you're more likely to get your goal um so i do hope you find those sessions really useful do remember on YouTube, you can also watch previous um, sessions that we've run in the Compassionate Q&A series by heading to the playlist. And again, I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. Other ways that people have found really useful for preparing for interviews is the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. There's really useful examples in there of how people have reflected upon their development and their own experiences. And of course, since last year, we've had the birth of a new baby book. We've had the birth of the Aspiring Psychologist Collective book as well. And that's a really nice demonstration of other people's reflection and growth experiences as well. So yeah, dig out those books if you've got a copy and consider grabbing a copy if you don't yet have one because people do speak really highly of them. Okay, so broadly speaking, we're looking at breaking down our presentation today into a number of different sections. We're looking at personal issues and reflections, professional issues and reflections, clinical issues and reflections, and research issues and reflections. So in terms of our clinical skills and reflections, it's always really useful to be able to demonstrate and to quickly conjure up formulations for clients or staff teams or other groups you've worked with um, from two different perspectives. It might be CBT, it might be CAT, it might be psychodynamic, it might be systemic, um, it might be you know DBT, it could be any model that you're familiar with working with um, that you can demonstrate in the moment um, an aptitude to be able to talk confidently about you know what is contributing to the client's difficulties how you've understood them what might be perpetuating them all of that jazz um, to be able to demonstrate that to the people that you will meet at interview but also even if you don't do that just to hold that in your pocket and be able to to pop out the word formulation um, can be really useful it's useful to be able to reflect on what the clinical work brings up for you currently or what it's brought up for you in the past. can be really useful to do that within supervision. And do remember, if you haven't yet grabbed my free supervision shaping tool, you can do that by going to my website, www.goodthinkingpsychology.co.uk forward slash supervision. Um, and that will come to you. And that might really help shape your supervision relationships with your supervisor or with even people that you supervise now or in future. So it's well worth um, 
registering for that um, and it's totally free so um, yeah it could help you to think about how to use supervision and how to give effective clinical supervision too. So it can be really useful to have conversations around some of this clinical stuff and around your own diversity, your own inclusion, the clients you work with and all of that jazz um, in supervision. Um, So I hope that's useful for you in that realm. And of course, we go on to the research section as well. So you need to be able to talk, you know, with ease about research without pulling that face um, you know so that you've got an overview of statistical models and measures and tests that you might use so that you understand when you might want to use quantitative versus qualitative or vice versa so that you are able to you know critically appraise other people's research and your own research and also think about gaps in the research knowledge base and what you might want to explore in future or what you think might be useful to explore in future that might well be stuff from your own clinical population that you're working in that's okay um, but you need to have an overview of what research is already out there and be able to talk confidently about what stuff you think would be useful in future and how and why you might investigate it or put that together. So have a play around with that. And again, that's stuff that we do do in the membership and that you can catch up on as well. So having a working knowledge of research methods is really useful. Um, you know, what what is, what is grounded theory? What is IPA? You know, why would you use um, a randomized control trial? You know, why? What is that even? Um, Having a little look at refreshing your memory on on that sort of background can be really useful. And if listening to this makes you go (gasps) and suck in your teeth, then it's okay to embrace what scares you. You know, it's okay to turn towards that um, so that it's not such a weak Achilles heel for you so that it feels like you're strengthening your suit of armour to have fewer chinks um, in it and fewer, you know, fewer really spots that feel very tender um, that if someone pokes it, you're not going to go too much um, so that you feel ready. It's your time and you're ready for this next step. Why even is research important? Why do we champion it? Why do we do it? Why do we think it's useful? Um, Having your own individual stance on that can be really useful too. So professional issues as well, you know, why, why are we doing this as a such a robust clinical process? You know, why why does clinical psychology exist? You know, what is it? Um, How can we help maximise its availability for more people? Um, How can we use supervision or management supervision effectively to think about the way in which we're doing leadership, the way in which we're um, you know, looking after and nurturing the team to be able to spread the knowledge and the impact of what we do in the psychology team far and wide to reach a wider audience. What acts are there that govern the work we do? So having a little bit of a knowledge of those can be really useful too. At this point, let's break for a short moment and I'll be back very soon. Become a psychologist and let this 
my name is Veronica Kassova. I live in Edinburgh and I just graduated with a Master's in Psychology of Mental Health. Marion recommended me the Clinical Psychologist Collective when I was networking on LinkedIn and I must say I love it. Um, it is one of a kind. It's like a window into the lives of people on the path of becoming a psychologist. The stories are unique, honest and filled with a kind of intangible wisdom only personal storytelling can uncover. A common thread in the stories I valued most was to be compassionate not only with others, but with myself too. Also, not fixating on becoming a psychologist, but enjoying life, growth, and the final results will come as a byproduct. Marianne, thank you for taking the time to collate all the stories. The book is a true gem, and I think every aspiring psychologist should have a copy on their shelf. Thank you. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. Filled with lessons and experience that will help you get Welcome back. Hope you like the jingle as ever. Um, okay, so just to recap what we've been going through, um, in case you've just tuned in, I don't know why you would have done, but you might have done. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you probably should be clicking subscribe and liking this episode at the very least if you're still watching. If you're listening on Spotify, please do subscribe. Um, and the same for Apple as well. Wherever you're watching, you know, please do subscribe. And if you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts, please do rate and review us. It just takes a moment, but it means a great deal. Our personal, why are we doing what we do? Why do you want to do what you do? What turned your head towards it in the first place? Um, thinking about you know, our own social graces, those of the clients we're working with. If you're not familiar with the work of social graces, um, give John Burnham a quick Google and get yourself back up to speed with those. And if you can, please do think about having a mock interview. Ideally, with your supervisor would be really useful, um, but with another qualified clinician, if you're not supervised by a clinical psychologist or an educational psychologist, a forensic psychologist, um, any kind of qualified psychologist is really useful. Um, and it helps you get those tumbleweed moments out um, and they're done so that you feel less horrified. And it's also really useful to think about recording yourself. And that is something I spoke about in the last podcast episode, episode 10, well worth a listen because people find that really, really useful. So um, yeah, listen to yourself, get used to the sound of you talking about you and knowing that's okay. If you're not yet in the position where you've been offered interviews, or if by the time you listen to this episode, you have been made aware that you have been given four 
no thanks, not yet. Um, then please try not to lose hope. This process does start again before we know it. Um, and by that point, you'll have another six months solid experience. And how can you use this next six months to really make sure that by this time next year, you're getting one, two, three, maybe even four, yes, please, we'd like you to tell us more about yourself opportunities. And if you do have, you know, your one lucky chance, if you do have your one golden ticket, um, then please know that's all you need. That's all you need. If it's your time and it's the right course for you and I don't know, the sun is shining in the right direction and all seems to be going well and the traffic lights are all green on your way there to the interview um, and you're able to bring your A game to that interview day, um, then that's all you need. You know, you do just need one university um, to allow you to have an interview, to be, able to, to be able to demonstrate why this is a great fit for you, why this course is great for you and how it is your time and you're ready for the next day. So please be kind to yourselves. Please be really kind and supportive to those around you as well, because this can be a really triggering time. Um, and it's also it's OK to be sad for yourself and excited for others or vice versa. It's OK to be really sad that your colleagues or friends might not be getting interviews, but also be really proud and excited about your own interviews that you have lined up. So, yeah. Please do stay kind. If you do consider coming on board to the Aspiring Psychologist membership, if you feel that might be useful for a little bit more um, bespoke skills, advice and support from qualified clinicians who want to help you advance um, your confidence, then um, you can check out details in the show notes or by going to the link in any of my social media bios. But yeah, thank you for joining me. Do check out episode 10 of the Aspiring Psychologist podcast for further optimal um, interview prep tips. Do let me know, won't you, um, how you get on with your outcomes. And remember, I will just go through them again with you. Remember to join us for the free compassionate Q&A sessions, which will be running across my socials. You can find me at Dr. Marianne Trent pretty much everywhere um, on Monday, the 13th of March, 2023, 7.30 p.m. Monday, the 17th of April, 2023, 7.30 p.m. And Tuesday, the 2nd of May, 2023, also at 7.30 p.m. Thank you so much for joining me like, subscribe, do all those good things, tell your friends about us. And I'll look forward to catching up with you for the next podcast episode, which will be coming to you from 6am on Monday. Take care. Thanks for being part of my world. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being qualified. 
My name is Diakalola Amujo. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.